Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Five o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, TGIF, welcome to Cats and Cosby. And John is not with us today. He is actually going to be giving a huge keynote speech at the Talkers Radio Conference, which is in Hofstra University. And I'm sure he's going to be talking about AM radio and all that other good stuff. Uh, we'll have some updates later on in the show. But bravo to the great John Katsimatidis leading the radio charge on that. And he is going to be missed today. But I'm lucky because in studio, I have Ed Cox, of course, current New York State GOP chair. We also have former Deputy Mayor Rudy Washington and also former Chief of Staff to Rudy Giuliani, Tony Carbonetti, the lucky one that I am to be with the boys today. And speaking of uh, boys and girls, uh, big news just coming out that the Republican National Committee is announcing the terms for the debates, for the GOP debates. Do I qualify? You might qualify. Let's see. There's going to be a lot of people in that one, by the way. It looks like Pence is going to throw his name in next week. Christie's going to throw his name in next week. And here's the criteria, guys. Basically saying that you have to support the eventual GOP nominee. They are making them take a formal pledge to participate in the GOP Primary debates, first one, August 23rd. And then the next one is that you will pledge not to participate in any outside debates. Tony Carbonetti, what, what do you make of that? So, so there's no other criteria about donors or because weren't they discussing at one point you'd have to have X number of donors? Oh, yeah, they are saying that, oh, yeah. too. Those are the standards. These are standards. the two headlines. One percent a major poll. So, so yeah. what are we thinking? Four or five of them can clear that? Oh, probably you, you a lot more. more. Probably They're saying it might go into two days now. We're, we're still talking about like 12 where they have the two stages again? Yeah, it might be a double-decker bus. Ed Cox, what do you think? <laughs> oh, that, that it's going to be a full stage. I was thinking of having, actually having two days of debates because they'll have so many on the stage. Not a major stage and a Oh, they're not going to do the one day where they do a seven to eight and an eight to nine, or so they'll do two different days. Two different days. So the big question is, what about Trump? What about Trump, guys? Because Trump said he hasn't committed to supporting the eventual GOP nominee if it's not him. What do you think, Tony? Has he tweeted at all about this yet? I haven't seen. What do you think, Rudy Washington? Well, you know, I don't think he's he's going to be as threatened as he was uh back when Hillary Clinton was running because he knew there was going to be hanky-panky, right? And one of the things that bothered me when that question was asked, uh, Chris Wallace did not follow up and ask um, Hillary Clinton the same question, and a lot of people missed it. They got hung up on what Trump said. Which question? Tell everybody which question. Would you support the nominee? And when when Trump gave and obfuscated and basically said, well, it all depends – Everybody seized upon that. It was confusion, and Chris Wallace never asked 
Hillary Clinton, Clinton that question. You mean a double standard in a the media? I, I can't believe that. Right. And so, and I, I can only feel that this question is part of this discussion because of the anti-Trump faction Although within he, the party. He told me and John Katz when we interviewed him not that long ago, President Trump, that he may not participate he, he in the debates. He Remember, he did the, the Nixon he, line, Ed Cox. He did the Nixon line back in 16, actually, in the first debate when it was asked, are 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 is anyone on the stage not going to accept the nom and go on to a third party run? And he raised his hand. Well, I was asked. Well, I was asked by the Post folks, "What do you think?" And I said, "If he does that, he's not going to get the nomination." Next day, in the GOP big says, "Disloyal Trump, a loser." Well, a few weeks later, I get a call. He wants to be there with him when he signed the pledge. I, I've said this a million <laughs> times. He is the little boy that put his hand on the hot stove and didn't get burned. He didn't he get looks, burned. He looks at all of us and says, "You guys don't know what you're talking about. I did everything you told me not to do." And I won. Well, everybody, I, I, to be continued, I, we've got John Solomon calling in now with some big breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is the founder of Just the News, John Solomon. Uh, John, first fill us in on this big stuff that Christopher Ray sounds like he's going to hand over the document that may show a money scheme with Biden to Congress. This is big news. Yeah, listen, this is a confidential human source that had been in the FBI system and trusted for some time. It involves some issues involving Ukraine, I'm told. And um, the FBI had it come in in early 2020, uh, June of 2020 to be precise, and then it doesn't get fully investigated. So for the first time, Comer and uh, Chuck Grassley, James Comer and Chuck Grassley are going to get to see this document Monday from the FBI. The director has authorized sending the document to Congress, and uh, they'll be able to uh, look at, ask questions, get briefed on it, and get the information they need to do a legitimate uh, congressional investigation going forward. Remember, just a few days ago, the director was saying, we're not giving it to you, and James Comer said, no problem, we'll find you in contempt. Cooler heads prevailed, and now the FBI and the Congress have an agreement, and they're going to get this done on Monday. It'll move this investigation forward quickly. Yeah, it sure will. And speaking of which, you have some other big scoops on footage uh, tied to January 6th with Nancy Pelosi. Yes, yes. So let's, um, we spent uh, several weeks uh, going through uh, security footage of the Capitol Police, uh, and uh, much of our search was guided by Capitol Police whistleblowers who knew things that had happened that had not yet been told to the American public or were contradictory to what the January 6th committee had told the American public. And so last night we unleashed the first of that footage. We are going to do this for several weeks, Every few days, we'll be releasing a new piece with good reporting behind it so people can understand it, make up their own mind. The first piece was last night. It shows Nancy Pelosi's evacuation from the Capitol. If you go back to January 7, 2021, the day after the fateful riot, she said she was traumatized by her exit from the Capitol. But what you see in the actual security footage, as the police security detail is taking her through a secret passageway to safety, is she and her daughter are turning it into a Hollywood movie moment. Her daughter is filming her for footage that would later be used for an HBO documentary that portrayed Nancy Pelosi in a favorable light. In fact, that just aired back in December. But that footage didn't show the impact of the filming on the security details it's trying to get out of the Capitol. So you see uh, Alexandra uh, Pelosi, the daughter, filmmaker. Uh, She's got her camera, and she's uh, filming, by the way, very sensitive hallways that are the escape route. 
Uh, we blurred out some of the information in the hallways because we don't want to give away certain security measures for the police. But you see this, uh, the Pelosi's are turning what should have been a urgent, solemn uh, evacuation from the Capitol into a Hollywood political movie-making moment. It kind of really explains a lot about the January 6th mindset. Even that day, they were looking for political and movie opportunities. And of course, uh, as we get to tonight, we're going to show just how movie-esque this was. Tonight, in just a few hours, on my television show at 6 o'clock in Real America's Voice, we are going to show people the footage that the January 6th committee uh, saw uh, uh, in some of the sizzle reels that Benny Thompson and Adam Schiff and uh, Jamie Raskin and others uh, showed the American people during those primetime hearings. And then we're going to show you the actual footage. And what Americans will come to see is that the footage was doctored. The Capitol Police footage had no sound on it. There was no sound on it. They are closed-circuit, silent movie television cameras. And the January 6th committee, without telling the American public, uh, uh, injected uh, their own sound to make it more dramatic, more impactful, more emotional, uh, tampering with the evidence, one might say, in a congressional hearing. We're going to show you both the actual camera footage and what the committee released so you can see the difference. And that'll be day two of the footage on Monday. We're going to show everybody a very significant security failure that has never before been seen. The January 6th committee intentionally ignored this. They didn't want this to come out. Ron Johnson has hinted at it because he got a chance to look at it, but he wasn't allowed to keep the tape. We have the tape. We're going to show a breach in the Capitol that was actually a mistake by Capitol employees that left the door unlocked through which more than 300 protesters came in un, uh, uh, undeterred by police. It was a, a, just an unlocked door. It shouldn't have been unlocked. We'll explain the circumstances, how it got unlocked. But it's a, one of the bigger security failures. And according to Capitol Police, the issue that led to the unlocking of the door is still not fixed. Wow. So, John Solomon, I have so many questions. I mean, first off, Nancy Pelosi has never testified, right, um, about what happened that day. She's in charge of security on January 6th. It defies logic to me that she has never been forced to testify. That's one. Um, and then the other, now you're saying that they let them in. I mean, I mean, how can you go after these people if the doors were unlocked and they just walked in? Yeah, now listen, uh, it still can be trespassing because the Capitol has very clear signs, no admittance without permission. So the people still trespass. But from a security standpoint, it is a massive failure that hasn't been addressed. Why is it just a couple hundred yards away, you have officers fighting for their life, trying to stop uh, people to come in the front Capitol. Their rear flank was left completely open because the door in the back on the west side of the upper west side of the Capitol is left open. And so they get caught between two openings and one of the openings they're not aware of. Right. It was a it literally is a human error that occurred. But it is an extraordinary thing because it put the uh, officers in far greater danger. It left them two flanks to defend, not one. And it confused a lot of people. A lot of people probably thought, oh, it must be okay. The door is unlocked. Uh, it, uh, again, it's still trespassing under the law, but it really shows a security mindset. The Capitol Police were not prepared for this moment. And imagine, just imagine if the Secret Service left the back door of the White House open and someone got in to uh, roam the White House. Uh, there would be hell to pay in the Secret Service. There hasn't been any hell to pay here. And there hasn't been enough corrective actions, according to the whistleblowers that the Capitol Police have, uh, have come forward for us and talk to us here at Just the News. Wow. Well, that is a bombshell. John Solomon, thank you very much. You always have such big stuff. And boy, it paints a very different picture of what was going on on January 6th and, and the doctoring of the tape. Uh, this needs to come out. The American public deserves to know the truth. Uh, John Solomon, thank you. Great to be with you, Rita. Have a great weekend. 
Wow, really interesting. Ed Cox, big news about Comer, too, uh, that he's going to be able to see the documents. Chris Ray acquiescing. Oh, yeah. But whether he takes them back or leaves them, that's the question. Yeah, we still don't know. We don't know. Yeah, but at least he's bringing them over before it sounded like he was going to keep those documents He should have done a write-up at the start. He made it into a big issue. Rudy Washington? Well, you know, um, I would like to see a constitutional crisis. in terms of this this one situation with Ray, simply because I think our Supreme Court has been silent for so long. I mean, you had a kangaroo court that impeached Trump in two days, and n- not a word from the Supreme Court, not a word from Justice Roberts to walk in and say, wait a minute, this is a total violation of our Constitution. Somebody has to stand up. I mean, we all know that um, if Ray was held in contempt, that Garland would not move this case at all. You mean uh, politics at the at the highest levels? Wow. Well, let's bring That's in. That's dangerous, very <laughs> dangerous for the country, what they've been doing. It is. Let's bring in uh, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. Uh, Congresswoman, before we get to uh, the debt bill, too, did you hear this new news that now uh, Christopher Ray is at least going to bring the document over that shows uh, allegations of a Biden money scheme to Capitol Hill to lawmakers to inspect on Monday. Uh, so it looks like for now he may not be held in contempt. Uh, Rudy saying, you know, what a double standard even to get to this point. Great point, Rudy. Your thoughts? Well, look, I think James Comer is doing a fantastic job uh, trying to get transparency and answers for the American people, trying to expose the corruption of the Biden administration and uh, this family that has obviously uh, been influenced peddling. Uh, so I think this is a great step in the right direction to at least be able to get this transparency. I mean, I talk to James Comer regularly. He's a good friend, a great congressman, and he tells me he just cannot believe there's there's absolutely no doubt that there's influence peddling. Okay, Uh, there's been too many families that have received too much money from uh, entities associated with the Communist Chinese Party, uh, LLCs that were created that, you know, if you try to Google them, you can't find them. They don't really exist. And so the question truly is, uh, what where does it lead? And, And that's that's the difference between what the Democrats have done and what the Republicans are doing is we are doing our due diligence and we are getting facts. Okay, it's not a political witch hunt. This is actually us following the facts to where they lead. And I think that's a really important distinction between what they did to President Trump trying to fabricate stuff and us actually following the facts to where they lead. And then we will decide what the proper course of action will be. Yeah. Uh, and Nicole, I also got to talk with you uh, about, of course, the debt ceiling bill. Uh, the president is going to address the country seven o'clock tonight. Uh, what do you think he's going to say? And, and fill us in that you've now, you're one of the few people who's read it. Uh, kudos to you, uh, as opposed to the Nancy Pelosi school of passing it and then reading it. Um, what's in it and what do you think he's going to say? Well, look, this, this is the biggest savings, biggest cut, uh, in American history. It's the first time that we're actually spending more, spending more the year prior, right? Meaning we're cutting spending next year. So we're actually Spending less next year than we did this past year. We're implementing a 1% cap on spending over the next six years. We're also making sure that if we don't reach a budget agreement, this is the important piece. If we don't reach a budget, which they haven't done, by the way, in a very long time, it's been like 20 years, 
so they haven't reached an actual budget, that means that there's an automatic 1%. That forces the Democrats in the White House to come to the table to negotiate further where we anticipate we will be pushing for border security measures and other things as we move forward into the appropriations process. Um, But in addition to that, we're clawing back the unspent COVID money. We're making sure that President Biden can't hire any more IRS agents this upcoming year. Uh, So there are significant things in there that were Republican victories. But I think the most important thing to note is that it is this is the first time in the last decade, right, that they're actually reducing spending with a debt ceiling, that they're actually reducing the deficit with a debt ceiling. It has not, it just simply has not been done before. And uh, Ed Cox, you got a question. Ed Cox, yeah. yeah. So what you're saying is it wasn't just taking care of cuts now. It was forward looking with respect to the 1% cap and what happens with the continuing resolution that gives the speaker more bargaining power with the president. Isn't that what you would, is, is, is that what he was smart enough to put in that bill? Exactly. And that's why you hear the speaker saying this is just the first step. Because it is the first step. And they ha- look, they had to address the debt ceiling issue, right? We were not going to default. That just would have been irresponsible. It would have affected world markets, the stock market here locally in the U.S. And then we would have had uh, people's retirement savings go down. We would have had, uh, you know, the dollar would have been impacted. You would have had seniors who didn't receive their Social Security checks, their veterans not get their benefit. It would have been very bad. It's never happened, by the way, in the U.S. Uh, history that we've ever defaulted. Uh, and it would have also downgraded our bonds also problematic. So the the thing is, we had to do something. So it was either default or it was they were going to pass either a clean debt ceiling one way or another. Congresswoman, this is uh, Rudy Washington. How are you doing? Um, Good, Rudy. Great to hear from you. Yeah, look, you know, I stand alone in my position on on, uh, the speaker. I think what the speaker went through to get the gavel to become the leader of the party is going to make him a better speaker. Um, the fact that it wasn't just given to him, that he had to work for it, had to convince other people to uh, vote for him and follow his vision. So I, I think looking back, and I think the deal is the best you were going to do anyway, and and I would have voted for it. But I do think this is going to make a better speaker uh, out of McCarthy than if he had just been given that gavel. Well, uh, those are great points because it showed that he was a consensus builder. That was number one. He truly did listen to members of the conference from different factions and tried to get us the best deal possible. And it was the best deal considering we were only one third of the federal government. We want a better deal. What we need to do is get out and vote and make sure that we get a Republican Senate or at least a, a Republican White House, if not both. Uh, next year. That that will make sure that we get a better deal. Um, but I think considering that, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Socialist Squad, mostly all the Democrats from New York City voted against it, it just shows you that it was very reasonable for Republicans. Yeah, well, and it'll be interesting to see what the president uh, says tonight, too. Boy, we will be watching. Uh, Nicole, thank you very much for going into it and explaining it. Everybody's been watching this. It's so important. And uh, and obviously uh, the big cuts are historic. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And that's at least a good sign for America. Thank you very much, Nicole. We love you. We appreciate you. Great to be with all of you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Congresswoman. We love having you. And everybody after the break, Larry Kudlow on the latest with the economy. What the heck is going on? 
A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back now to Katz and Cosby in the studio. We have Ed Cox, also Rudy Washington, and Tony Carbonetti. And our boy Eric Adams announcing that he's agreeing to two days of remote work for city workers. Tony? Like, like, first of all, who proposed that? And you might as well kick all the small businesses in the nuts. Well, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you are allowed okay. to say it's Friday. You're allowed okay, to say good, anything. Good. Well, joining us is an expert on workers. Uh, let's go to Larry Cudlow, the great economist and also host. That's of- an economic phrase. Ask Larry. He'll yeah, tell you. He will be able to translate, I think. Larry, can you translate uh, Tony's English? <laughs> yeah, I figured you'd ask me to define nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it is Friday, you know? <laughs> It sounds like a really dumb idea. I don't understand that. Uh, I don't even understand that as a taxpayer. Right. Okay. Right. So what is the biggest bloated budget uh, there is? And now they're going to work less. I, I didn't know they could work less, but I'm sure there are some good people in there. But that sounds like a pretty lousy idea to me. Larry, 10 years ago, when that idiot de Blasio became mayor, we had a $70 billion budget. And now it's 106, 10 years later. You know, what's so interesting about that is the state of Florida, which has a higher population, it's several million higher than New York. The t- size of the Floridian budget is about half of New York's. And their tax rates are obviously much lower. In fact, there is no income tax in Florida. And their growth rate is about three times New York. So somebody would ask, what are we getting for our money and our taxes up here? And the answer is not much. Not Squat. Much. I think Tony Maybe. would have another four-letter word for that <laughs> one, too. Yeah, uh, uh, by mean, the way, Larry, tonight, you know, of course, uh, the president's going to address the country in about an hour and a half from now uh, on the debt ceiling bill. What do you think he's going to say? What What would you advise him? You've been there in the White House. You know, this guy, this is a wonderful story. What time is he on? Seven? seven? Yeah, seven. Yeah, so he's got to be hour in bed by eight. Yeah, he's got to be in bed by eight. Seven oh five. No, no, no. <laughs> this is on a Friday night, which is a dead news time. He's going to go on and talk about the budget deal, which he may as well hide under a rock and not do it at all. I mean, no one's going to be watching it. It'll be like CNN ratings or something. What do you because make of the timing, Larry? That's a great point, because that's when you bury the news, you this know? Is, this is when you bury the I news. Mean, well, I think, look, Kevin McCarthy took him to the cleaners, okay? Biden went from a clean debt bill with no budget cuts and no policy changes to a debt ceiling increase that will cut about uh, $2 trillion out of the budget with very important policy changes on work requirements. Boy, there's one from New York, work requirements, but also <laughs> new new permitting rules, uh, PAYGO rules to stop regulations. McCarthy did very well, in my opinion. He got about 70% of what he asked for. Uh, it's pro-growth and, and counter to inflation. So, you know, he completely ran circles around Biden. And my guess is, that's the reason Biden's doing this at seven o'clock on a Friday night, which is dead time. And probably the other reason is the left wing of his party was very much against it. So he, he's not going to get any kudos for this. 
this was McCarthy's moment. This is a very important first step towards the return of conservative economics and conservative governance. And I, you know, my hat's off to McCarthy. And as far as Biden is uh, is concerned, nobody's going to nobody's going to watch it. Nobody's going to listen to it. Nobody. Zero. Not a his own staff will be heading out for the weekend. So, so Larry, uh, Ed, Ed Cox here uh, talking about work and jobs. There was a jobs report that came out today. What did you yeah. think of it? You know, it's a very mixed bag. It's funny. Uh, the top line number was a good number over three hundred thousand. But if you look under the hood, it wasn't a good number. Because the unemployment rate actually went up three tenths of one percent. That's a lot. Uh, it's a kind of a recessionary thing. And um, household employment, small business employment went down about three hundred thousand. And the employment to population ratio went down. And wages uh, went up only slightly, less than the inflation rate. Now Wall Street was great today, over seven hundred points, which is terrific. And I have a suspicion that the reason Wall Street did so well is not because it was a gangbusters report, but Wall Street figured out that it wasn't. And therefore, the Federal Reserve doesn't have to raise their interest rate again uh, when they meet in two weeks. That's my hunch here. Oh, let's pray they don't raise the rates again, Larry. My goodness. Yeah, well, John, you know, if John were here, I mean, that. The commercial real estate situation is getting worse and worse. So you don't want higher interest rates. And and, and I think the Fed has done enough. Inflation is still around, uh, as Trump talked about last night uh, in the Sean Hannity town hall meeting. Uh, but it's coming down. It's coming down. And um, I would pause if I were the Fed. A lot of people disagree with me, but I'm looking at the money supply falling and commodities falling. And uh, the curve is the Treasury yield curve is upside down. Short rates are way higher than long rates. Uh, I'd leave it alone for a a bit. Um, If they need to take action in the next couple months, they could come back. But I kind of would leave it alone. And by the by, um, you know, the spending deal, look, cutting two trillion out of the budget is not nothing. Not nothing. And that actually helps the Fed. Sure is not. Yeah, sure is not. We're all going. Uh, Larry, uh, real quick, we just have 30 seconds. What are you going to be talking about on uh, the Larry Kudlow Show on WABC Radio tomorrow, 10 to 1, uh, the big top show? Well, I, well, I, I just finished one Kudlow show. I, I don't know that I really focused on the next. We'll be talking about all this stuff. That's what I always say. If you ask me for specifics, I have no idea until I get in front of my computer and see what we've got cooking. But we'll we'll be we'll be talking about the presidential race. We'll be talking about the debt ceiling. We'll be talking about Joe Biden. Uh, we'll be talking about energy. By the way, I'm starting to like the energy story. There's a revolt going on against the Green New Deal. Uh, these big corporate meetings, Exxon, uh, Mobil, and Shell, and BP, and Chevron. These uh, ESG resolutions. Uh, for the Green New Deal are all being defeated. All voted down. Yep. Yep. So, so pe- people have sort of had enough. They're and fed by up. Way, that's why people wanted spending cuts in this budget deal. And that's why McCarthy did so well. The country is in full revolt against Bidenomics and, and Biden everything. So we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about the China threat with General Jack Keane. I am very worried about China, which is becoming a more and more urgent threat. This is not friendly competition with China. Believe yep. me, this is their effort to dominate the United States and we got to stop them.
Larry, thank you very much. Everybody's going to be tuning in tomorrow. Keep up the great work on Fox and also here on WABC. We love you, Larry. Have a great weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. And everybody, after the break, uh, Lee Zeldin's going to join us. And we're going to be talking about the anti-Israel CUNY commencement speaker and some new developments. That after the break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back now on Katz and Cosby. John is off today doing a big speech at the Talkers Radio Conference at Hofstra University. I'm sure he's going to hit it out of the park talking about the future of radio, which is bright and has big numbers. And, of course, him doing the great fight to save AM radio, which is making tremendous headway on that. Anyway, joining us now is New York Congressman Lee Zeldin. And, uh, you know, former congressman, I got to ask you, uh, Lee, when I sit there and I think about all of this CUNY stuff, you wrote a big column saying basically Kathy Hochul has been MIA on this law grad student's uh, commencement speech. I couldn't believe she blasted Israel. She blasted the military. She called the NYPD fascist. She blasted CUNY. Um, and and yet, where has the governor been? Your Your thoughts on this? Where's the outrage? Where's the passion? Where's the vision? Where's the action? Because it's one thing to speak up and acknowledge that what happened was terrible, shouldn't have been permitted in the first place. But there's a bigger issue here. And this requires more than just simply acknowledging that it happened and that it was wrong. I mean, that's step one. And then, by the way, all across New York City, there are a lot of people who have lowered expectations for their city council person, for other elected officials, to the point where if they just get a tweet from their elected official condemning something, they feel like that's progress. You have a taxpayer-funded university that has anti-Semitism spreading all throughout it, Jewish professors leaving because they don't feel welcome there, Jewish students not feeling welcome uh, inside of CUNY. And this happened last year with the CUNY law commencement address. This has happened with issues with professors talking about death to Israel during sermons on a Sunday. The city council put together a, a hearing just a few months back to deal with this topic are built around the chancellor's schedule, and then he ends up no-showing. The list goes on. I mean, we're just scratching the surface here. So what are we going to actually do about it? And we have not heard a single word about that, not one word about that from Kathy Hope. And Ed Cox here, Cooney was known as the Jewish Harvard way back when, right? That's, uh, that, that's where a lot of really talented uh, Jewish students went because they were uh, not, for a quota reasons, not permitted to get into Harvard. Yeah, and, and so many Jewish students just and in they, New York and in general. And they turned out to be some of our leading lights with respect to a lot of different, lot of different uh, uh, matters and, and organizations in this country. If anyone out there uh, is near social media, you can grab it on your phone or your computer, go to the top of my Twitter feed at Lee Zeldin. And you'll see a video of this commencement speaker talking about her desire to cleanse CUNY of Jewish professors and of Jewish. Wow, that is a that is a where our eyes are popping late when you hear that. I mean, that kind of verbiage. You don't have to take 
my word for it. It's her words, not mine. And you should not be rewarding somebody like that with an even bigger platform to spew even more hate. Lee, it's Tony Carbonetti. That's exactly right. It's the platform. And, and the governor should say, every idiot's entitled to their opinion. I'm just not going to give you the platform to spew it. Right. And by the way, Stand Eric, the Eric Adams that has right. condemned it. Eric Adams, Richie Torres, a number of Democrats have repeatedly condemned it. Where is she, That's Tony? That's the street corner is for. You want to say and, stupid and, stuff like that, say it on the street corner. Now, Eric Adams said the right thing absolutely after this happened. And uh, he should have been quite motivated on a whole other level because the commencement speaker was going after Adams as part of this. Uh, and the rant was, you know, suggesting that if you have the oppositional view, it's because of your relationship being concerned and bought off by investors. You know, all sorts of anti-Semitic tropes like that. You referenced calling the NYPD fascist. Uh, she was, by the way, in that video that I posted at the top of my Twitter feed, she's calling the United States of America a genocidal country. And Lee, so, I mean, that's goes, amazing. Rudy Washington, go ahead, Rudy. Lee, you know, I, I've been scratching my head for a few years behind this. Uh, when when President Obama and, and Biden went into this agreement with Iran, and I, I'm saying to myself, what part of death to America and death to Israel they don't understand? Uh, and and now Biden is still trying to push to get back into that where people are saying they're going to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. And, you know, we're, we're the big Satan, they're the little Satan. I, I don't understand this, you know, why our government is silent on a lot of this and allowing it to pr- proliferate within our cities and states. Absolutely. It's such a, a great point. And while we might be talking about a city university of New York and an issue that feels extremely local, uh, there is a tie here towards what is our national policy, what is our foreign policy. It just so happens that a week ago, President Biden and the White House put out their new strategy to combat anti-Semitism. You have now a, a real-world incident instantly happening that is putting the strategy to the test. So if you feel confident behind the strategy, now you have an opportunity to implement it how can you be silent when something like this happens and then you bring up the the dynamic of the, the international uh, piece of this? Yeah, the, the Biden administration, there are people in there who are key author, uh, authors and architects of the original JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal, and they want to go back into it. But you have to understand what you're dealing with on the other side. And, and rhetorically, as you point out, yes, on their holidays in their parliaments, chanting death to America. When you see them developing and test firing intercontinental ballistic missiles, intercontinental, that's not for Israel. That's for us. Yeah, you have scary. to be smart with, with our policy here. So it's at home as localized as a city university in, in New York to our foreign policy and a whole lot in between. We need people to speak up, saying the right things and doing it passionately, but also showing the vision and that following through with action because there's a whole lot of progress that needs to happen. Yep. I say that the administration needs to be overhauled, that all Jewish students and faculty should feel welcome there. And until that happens... The taxpayer funding should be immediately suspended. I think that will force the issue. Yeah, it certainly will uh, draw attention to it, for sure. And everybody, check out Lee's Twitter feed uh, to see that other speech that you just brought up, too. Um, Congressman Lee Zeldin, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, I know you're doing some great stuff now, also helping folks in volunteerism. Bravo to you and everything you're doing. Thank you, Lee.
Thank you all. Thank you very much. By the way, and you, and the, you can't make it up. Lori Lightfoot lands a teaching gig at Harvard on uh, yeah, leadership. Uh, yeah. Yes, I knew, Tony. I knew you'd love Glad that. My one. daughter's going to Villanova. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us now to talk about other stuff is Ari Fleischer, former White House Harvard. press secretary. Uh, Ari, uh, boy, a lot going on. Uh, I want to talk with you. Uh, and we have in the studio Ed Cox. We got Rudy Washington, Tony Carbonetti. And, of course, uh, Ari now joining us here uh, as well. We love this, Ari. Uh, Biden falling. I, just, I didn't realize Harvard was so easy to get into these days. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me she's teaching public safety. She uh, is. I know. Actually, get this. She is teaching health policy and leadership. And to salt the wound, Tony? What not to do? Uh, no, here, Chesa Boudin. This is the guy who was too far to the left for San Francisco, the DA, yes. who got recalled. He's now teaching at Berkeley. <laughs> like, you can't, Rudy looks like he's going to cry. He's laughing so hard. This is amazing. You can't make it up, Ari. That's the world we live in, isn't it? Thank goodness for you guys. <laughs> the, the truth, justice, and the American ways our motto here. Ari, um, you were talking about Biden's fall, and I want to get your reaction first on that. And how it's, it's kind of a metaphor, if you will, for his, uh, just his tenure. And the fact that the way the media has handled it, we were talking about this before also earlier, Rudy, too. Um, the difference, the way the media is like, you see the New York Times is Biden's OK after fall. But when Trump was kind of sliding down the ramp, remember when he was doing it, it was like, oh, is Trump capable? Is he ready? I mean, what a difference oh, in go, standards. Go just teaching ballet. Girl Ford. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just one little slip. In. Right. Right. <laughs> and what a contrast. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Our yeah, I mean, reaction. It, it just shows how the media is in the tank for the Democrats and especially for Joe Biden. Biden falls. He trips. And the New York Times spends its entire story about what the White House said about it. Donald Trump doesn't fall. He walks slowly down a ramp. And the New York Times story is, raises all these questions about, is Donald Trump healthy? Trump was 74 at the time. Biden is now 80. You know, this isn't the first time Biden has fallen. And in fairness to Biden, he tripped. He didn't faint. But, you know, we all know people who are in their 80s who are susceptible to falls. And we know how worrisome that can be. Is this what we need or want in a president of the United States? This is the issue. Yeah, and I that's why I think, and I agree with you. Look, they say that that was a sandbag. He did come back with saying, I've been sandbagged, which Ed and I think someone clearly gave to him because he couldn't come up with that line <laughs> on line. his own. You know? Um, but, but it is a metaphor for a guy, and everybody's saying, and not just the age. I think about also, by the way, last night, uh, Trump was on the town hall with Hannity and he did the CNN one not that long ago. He was going seamlessly in and out of all the different questions. He was getting hammered on CNN um, and asked a lot of questions last night with Sean. Uh, Biden couldn't handle that, I think, for five minutes, Ari. That's the issue. No, and that's why the staff doesn't let him do those. But here's the thing. If I were a White House reporter, I would go right to the heart of the matter, which is Biden's mind. Again, we all know people who are elderly, and the first thing they lose is their short-term memory. I would say to Joe Biden, can you name your secretary of defense? What's the name of your secretary of agriculture? This is a man who could not remember without a child prompting him to remember the last country he visited. It had been Ireland just a couple days previously. This is a man who said he was never briefed about the option of leaving troops behind in Afghanistan to make sure there was a more orderly withdrawal. 
He said he would never got a briefing that he could have had 500, 1,000, 2,000 troops remain. And then General Milley and the Joint Chiefs corrected him and said, uh, no, we did brief the president. This is short-term memory. And in the hands of a president of the United States, we are all at risk if he doesn't remember the things he was recently told. Where's the press corps? Aren't they supposed to ask the hardest questions to the president to make sure the president is fit for the job? Those are the type of questions I would ask if I had Joe Biden. So, Ari, at Cox here, the president tonight, 7 o'clock, is going to give a presidential address to the nation. Why Friday night? Uh, That's the time when you bury news? What, what would, why do you think they're doing it? Yeah, this is not my idea, Shabbat Shalom. Uh, um, Good one, Ari. I, I predict to you that this is going to be the least watched presidential address to the nation ever. If his subject is the debt limit, yes. it's anticlimactic. If he's going to take a victory lap and proclaim now that he's a moderate, how important it is to have Democrats and Republicans work together, that's a nice speech, but it could be done at noon on a Monday. I don't know why he's doing this. I think it's bad judgment. I think the White House is under some element of pressure to show he's okay after the fall. That's what I was thinking, too. So he's vigorous and he can communicate because he doesn't do news conferences or take questions. And so they roll him out in a staged event. It reminds me of an episode on Star Trek many years ago where they pumped up a retired president of a country who couldn't speak anymore, and they put him on camera, and everybody could see he was comatose. I think that's what the White House is going to do tonight, drag him out there, show him that he's, he can give a speech off a teleprompter, and then that'll be it. Yeah, uh, and maybe uh, maybe it'll be like Star Trek, because it'll be out of this world, whatever we hear. Yeah, we get a birdie. <laughs> Ari, we love you. Thank you so much for being here. All right, Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what was the thing on Star Trek? Uh, what was the long live? What was the uh, <laughs> the hand thing? We got the Rudy's got the hand. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. prosper. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, Ari, thank you. Have a great, great weekend, and everybody, stay with us. Al D'Amato is fired up, and he's up next. You're commuting home with Cats and Cosby. Now here's John Cats and Matitis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we continue now on Cats and Cosby. Rita Cosby here, and we have Ed Cox. Rudy Washington, and also Tony Carbonetti, a great, great group here. And big news that New York City's reviewing 750, 750 extra sites to house the migrants. Unbelievable. And also setting up cots at JFK for about a 1,000 migrants there. Is there any place that's off limits? Joining us now is the great former senator of the state of New York, the greatest ever. We have Al D'Amato joining us. Uh, senator, can you believe what's going on with the migrants? This Is there any site that's off limits in New York City? It's incredible. Now, of course, you see they're trying to ship them throughout the state, move them to Long Island, move them upstate, put them into any hotel, motel, wherever, uh, firehouses. uh, You know, it's just a disgrace. And the president of the United States should be ashamed of himself for what he's done to this country. So they say, oh, they're not pouring over in the numbers. No. You already had five million plus that we know of and how many million more that came over that we don't know of. We've had criminals, gangsters, uh, people on the wanted list, uh, 
terrorist, uh, uh, and and not to mention the hundreds of thousands of young people who have died because of the fentanyl that is coming over. And it's about time we got tough with Mexico. You got to stand up and you got to tell them we're not going to let anything come in. You just better stop it, and you better work with us. And and I want to tell you, for all of the madman's idiosyncrasies, and of course what I think he did on January 6th was a disgrace. And I want to say, and I say it again, thank God for Mike Pence. He kept us from having a revolution. Thank God for Vice President Pence. But I got to tell you, the president did a terrific job. Trump did a great job as it related to handling the border. And he did he did a basically a good job with Russia, with China, with, with, with being tough. But this thing with the border is a disaster, and we are now getting the fruits of it. And, and this is just beginning. And I got to tell you, in Long Island, the property taxes in Nassau County and Suffolk County are tremendous, tremendous. And you know where 70% of them go? To the school districts. Now, what happens when you start putting thousands of these young people who are going to need all kinds of remedial help and training, et cetera, into our public schools? Who's going to pay for it? If 70% of the local taxes are already going to the schools, forget about the roads, forget about the sanitation, forget about all of those services, providing the water, et cetera, all of those things that the municipalities provide, 70% goes to schools. And you're going to have tens and tens of thousands just in New York State pouring into our schools. Who don't speak the language. And that's the other thing. They don't speak the language. Uh, By the way, they talked also, um, uh, Senator Al D'Amato, $8 million a day is the price tag. Uh, that they're now saying to New York City. I mean, that is how do you how and does anybody the way, handle New that? York, New York City has only one percent of all the migrants that have come in illegally across the southern border. Yeah, imagine what the country do. Do, do that math. You're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars. You have not even begun to pick up the educational cost because only a fraction of those kids are now in the schools. But you wait till next year. When they start putting them into the schools, and like you said, Rita, the special ed that they need, uh, the what is the impact going to be on overburdened schools already? Going to be a disaster, a monumental disaster. That's what this administration has given us. And let me say, McCarthy did a fantastic job. What's his name? Our economic guru, who you had on pointed it out, you saved $3 trillion more than we would have spent over the next two years um, with one hand tied behind him and a very slim majority to work with. He should be commended because we have averted a, a disaster. You can't just have that disaster like some of the right-wing wackadoodles that we have and the left-wing kookadoodles on the other side Senator, I love the that idea that Nicole. I love what Nicole was talking about By the way, I like earlier. his analogies. The cuckoo doodles and wackadoodles doodles are great. If, if they love don't you, pass a budget on time, they have to reduce by one percent again. 
I mean, that's genius. Yep. I, I love that idea. McCarthy should be very proud of that. It's a start in the right direction. It shows us what we have to do to bring this country's prosperity back, to, to begin to reduce the inflationary impacts uh, that have been created. And by the way, the energy policy, we, we can finally begin to move towards energy independence once again so that we can get the the prices under control, not just temporarily, but bring them down our energy cost. So it, it was a terrific victory, even though many people don't realize. Well, Senator Aldamato, we love you. Always love hearing your opinions. Thank you for joining us here on Cats and Cosby. Have a great weekend. You too now. Bye Thank bye. you very, very much. Um, and it's going to be interesting. What uh, who would it already say? It looks like Star Trek, right? When yes. uh, Biden speaks in a, about an hour. M- make sure when you talk to John over the weekend, there were three Republicans in studio on a Friday. On a Friday. That's unheard of. I thought you guys don't work on Fridays. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to have you. <laughs> Republicans do work on Friday. We love having you guys here. Thank you, everybody. And what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. Have a great weekend, John. We'll be back Monday too, guys.